We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Coming to you Wednesday morning. It's December 7th. The Wolves are in the middle of this weird sort of lull in their schedule. Obviously, tonight they play at home against the Indiana Pacers. But other than that, the Wolves have only played one game uh, in the last seven days, which has meant a lot of practice time, uh, you know, to drill in some principles drill out some bad habits that have sort of plagued this team thus far. They've had lots of practice time in uh, Minneapolis to do that, which also means lots of media availability. It's kind of been a mini training camp in ways for us in the media, being able to sort of talk to Finch on a daily basis, get to interview a good chunk of the roster. And I I think all of that will help shape the majority of my conversation today uh, with Wolves beat writer Jace Frederick from the Pioneer Press as we get into, again, sort of what we think the identity of this team without Cat will be. Uh, But Jace, before we get into all that, we did have some news that we should probably get to off the top of the show, and that's that the Wolves have signed former Laker, kind of former Celtic last year, Matt Ryan, to a two-way contract. He replaces A.J. Lawson, who has been waived now for like the second or third time on this team. That's kind of a rotating spot on this roster, the final spot in this roster. Do you take anything into consideration here with Matt Ryan, what this means? Is this a nothing burger to you? Where are you at with it? I think it's a nothing burger. Um, I will say like (laughs) when Matt Ryan was let go by the Lakers this year, some people who covered the Lakers were like, oh, really? Like Mm -hmm. they thought he brought something to the fold. Um, So I guess it can still be a positive asset, even if I don't expect it to be a utilized asset. Um, I don't think we'll see much. Matt Ryan on the floor for the Timberwolves. Um, you know, like even when you talk about the shooting and stuff, it's like option A off the bench that barely gets used is Bryn Forbes. Yeah. And so, like, I think if Bryn Forbes isn't getting used, I don't expect Matt Ryan to be used. So, like, you know, another guy who might post some numbers in Iowa, whatever the case may be, uh, he's certainly an option. It's always nice to have options if situations arise that are unforeseen but i as long as like the roster is in generally intact i don't expect to see a whole lot of matt ryan yeah we're gonna actually talk about luca garza a little bit later on the show and right. i think just having been at practice with you and stuff we think that's a little bit more of a 
meaningful conversation to have, right? There's a, there's a direct path to sort of minutes with Luca Garza. Plus, he's proved it in Iowa to the extent that you can prove something in the G League. So that, yeah, to me, that is more of a conversation to have than about like what Luca can be right now. Matt Ryan, a lot of, I, I think, time will have to happen. I would be surprised if they immediately put him into the the rotation and anytime soon the Bryn Forbes part sticks out to me too where it's like I mean Ryan and Forbes are just pretty much shooter shooters uh so I don't know how much this move like indicts the Bryn Forbes signing from the beginning of the season or how much of it is about having a bigger shooter like I don't think anybody's gonna say Matt Ryan is some lockdown defender but he is six seven where Bryn Forbes is six foot. So it's a little bit more size in a shooter, but I'm, I'm with you. I don't, I don't take too much from it though. I did realize this morning, uh, Matt Ryan was on the Denver G league team last season. So it's kind of, that's what Conley keeps doing is these end of the roster guys. Whereas Tibbs, you know, he came and he made the whole starting lineup. Former Bulls correlations there. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, maybe not enough of, you know, it's not like Connolly's guys have been available. You know, like it's not like his nuggets were really available, but the guys who have been available, he's grabbed. Um, right. So there is some, you know, timber nuggets things here. It's, it's end of the bench, but but it it's existing. It's like that's the thing with personnel guys. Tim's got crushed for it, but like people take who they're comfortable with and they know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tim Connolly's a big like I know this guy's a good dude, uh, yeah. basically, and and you know that when you've worked with guys. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm not surprised by it. Well, moving on from Matt Ryan. Into Luca Garza. No, uh, just to, to talk about not a former Nugget. Not not yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I'm sure there's some weird like connection there though. Yeah. Where, where Jim would be like, oh yeah, no, I was there like at his 16th birthday and we played pickup in the backyard, you know. Um, but let's talk about the setters. Uh, there's what I'm really as I think more and more about this like no cat time. Um, it you know it is going to. It is going to be pretty definitive here. And and we ask, right, or all the different reporters come through and ask of like, what is different without Carl, you know? And the reality of the situations, which a lot of the guys are, are saying is like, yeah, we are obviously doing things, going to do different things in the game now, but we already sort of had a plan for only Rudy minutes. Like Carl was going to sit 15 minutes a night anyway. So we kind of had an idea of who would play in those minutes, when they would play. But now they're leaning all the way into that identity and and trying to figure out um, exactly what it is. I'm trying to figure out exactly what it is because I don't even really know what the beginning of the season identity of this team was. Like, what do you think when, let's say, at the halfway mark of the season, Cat comes back and we look back at these 20 games, what do you think we will say that's what that team without Cat was about, what defined them? I mean, I think it's going to be a lot more pick and roll. Um, I think we've already seen some of that uh, with the various options. Like, there's going to be a lot more Aunt Rudy pick and roll, I think, by the end of this than we ever would have seen um, had Cat never gotten hurt. Obviously, we'll see D'Lo Rudy pick and roll, um, Jalen Rudy pick and roll. I just think we're going to see more and more of that because it's the most effective way to use Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that'll be the most interesting thing here as it gets going because Ant's talked about this yesterday even. Like, he's never played with the true roller. Yeah. Um, and... I don't think the Wolves really planned on him playing with a true roller. Uh, they expected to pair him with Cat 
largely. Uh, but I think it's good that he's going to be forced into a lot of Rudy screen and rolls because it's an important maturation in his game. Uh, you should know how to play pick and rolls with a roller if you're going to be a predominant ball handler. Um, and maybe that becomes a thing where like he picks it up along the way and it's like he's good at this now and we can lean into this more and more. Uh, but I think it's just going to be like Rudy involved more more so out in the screen and roll. And I just think that's going to be the best version of this team, this yeah. offense, um, at least offensively and defensively. I, I mean, I don't care what they pick. It's going to look less clunky because you're not going to have cat around chasing fours. Um, and Delo even talked about that. Like, yeah, it's, it's just, he basically essentially said, it's just more fluid, like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he said easier. Um, and it, it is easier because it's what you're used to versus like having to account for the fact that cat is probably playing at a major disadvantage defensively. And what is he doing to account for that? And how are you doing? What are you doing uh, to account for that as well? Let's uh, let's play that quote here from D'Lo. Um, I mean, it's just a completely different identity now. Like I said, with and without Cat, we're a different team. So we got to practice and, and try to have a business approach like we would with him here. Um, and he's not here. You goofy. <laughs> you goofy. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's, like you said, just trying to see what our identity is going to be with and without him. That's, that's what we've been working with in practice. How would you define the change or, or the, the, the direction of the new identity? How do, what do you mean? How do I give me? You say you're, you're basically trying to establish an identity without Cat. Yeah. I mean, we could guess what that is with Cat not here, but what is it? What do you guess? Well, I would guess that uh, obviously we're the only one big that, as you said, you scramble more on defense. I would also think that probably try to get out and transition a lot more yeah i mean it's just simple like you said we got big we got a big that that's more defensive oriented so um for us i think it activates the perimeter as far as guards wanting to be aggressive knowing that that's that big there um, with cat being out there you kind of you're not sure if he's um if he's in a whatever his coverage may be or if he's in rotation things like that it's kind of guessing on the fly like i said it's something that we're working on um, with rudy you know he's just going to be it's easier we eventually got to that it's easier line there from from Dilo. that's a little insight to everyone that there's distractions of Bryn Forbes pops in there yeah little Brit Dilo back and forth but I I do think I, I'm glad that Dilo is naming it like a lot of people right a lot of normally the answer is like well we already had a plan without cat like I said off the top Dilo's like we did already have a plan, but this is what that plan, like we are leaning into that more and it's just simpler. He's not saying it's better. He's not saying anything else. It was just complicated, right? With um, when it was both Kat and Rudy out there, more complicated than they could handle at the beginning of the season. This is all pared down and simpler. And when I think about that, I think about previous times that Kat's been hurt, right? And we could define the identity of every other team Cat's been hurt on for you know 15, 20 games. That group's identity was we're significantly better on defense. And I think that's because things were just, again, simplified. All those teams, you know, Gorgie would come in better defensively, but it would be a team that offensively was terrible. Like it's no offense. Yeah, hard to watch. Hard to, hard to watch offensively. And and obviously in Cat's absence, what they gained defensively did nowhere near make up for what they lost offensively. And I don't think that's what this is going to be at all this time. Like, I I don't see the only similarity I see is the simplicity, right? Of Carl is a complicated tool to use, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. I'm not saying this will definitely be better 
without Cat than it was in the first 20 games of the season, but it could be because it's more simple and because I don't think this group lacks the offensive firepower at all that those previous Wolves teams did. As you were talking about with the pick and roll, there's a lot more they can lean into offensively. And then you just got better offensive players. Like this, if you look at the Wolves roster, they got a lot of players who skew more offense than defense, not just in the starting lineup, but down to Jalen and Nas on the bench. So that's where I'm kind of looking at it. Like is, I know it's not going to be the identity of previous cat her teams because the personnel is just different. No, it probably is going to. I mean, in reality, shouldn't this eventually like start to look a little bit more like the old Utah teams, like the Gobert ones now without Cat on the court? Like you could at least go in that direction if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know personnel-wise, it's not quite the same because you know those teams had frankly more shooters and and frankly more veteran guys and more guys who play off the catch and like mm-hmm. so there were like there was like one dominant ball handler or a couple of dominant ball handlers and then a couple guys who played off the catch and whatnot. But you could get closer to those lineups um if you played like Kyle Anderson, Jane McDaniels as kind of your, you know, like they're not necessarily the same level of shooters, but if they can play off the catch more and then you have Ant and Delo as your Conley and Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell. Like I I think it could all lean that more that way if if Minnesota leans in that direction. And I think we might see them do that. But we're all got these are all questions like we're going to think what we see. And then I think tonight we're going to get a lot of answers um, because they have had the practice time to like put in exactly the direction they want to go in. Um, So I think tonight's going to be a big revealer, but I think that's the way they should go. Um, Now we'll see what they actually do. Yeah. It's a more normal opponent tonight, right? Like the OKC game, which is again, the only game we've had in six days. uh, That game was just one of those games you look back and be like, well, that was just kind of whatever. Like that was, it wasn't good, but like throw it out. We didn't really learn anything from it. You didn't have Carl. You hadn't had, or you didn't have Carl, didn't have Rudy. Like it was chaos the whole time. I don't feel like I, I learned anything about how they're going to play without cat. I'm with you right tonight with Indiana, you know, <clears throat> the Utah Portland, Portland games over this weekend in the beginning of next week. Like, yeah, we are going to start understanding what this identity that they're they're aiming at would be and i think they're figuring it out somewhat on the fly too obviously they did not have in their plan for the season of okay you know 20 games in now we're gonna have to play 20 without carl like they were shaping this team you know kind of bumbling around shaping this team into what that identity would be and they go okay well put that on the back burner we need to find you know something else that that works here and and yeah, so much of that is Rudy and pick and roll and how how do they play defensively around Rudy. But I do think, and this is something we've talked about, um, is the the minutes when Rudy isn't on are important too. And yeah. you know, that's gonna be 16 plus a night. We saw, you know, we saw Nas have to take step into a much bigger role uh in Rudy's absence of the last game. It that's interesting to me because that's not a small portion of the game. It's about 25% of the game, Rudy's not going to play on average. But also, it's I love watching those minutes because it's so different and it's so stylistically seems to tap into like more effectively the way the rest of this group plays. We've looked, we we've talked about this a bunch. The Nas at the 5, not that Nas is anywhere near Gobert as a player, but this group seems to be so much more comfortable when they are playing that 5 out sort of offense with with Nas there um how, how much of 
that difference where it looks more fluid when when Nas is out there, when Rudy is out there, is just about the rest of the players, do you think, kind of being more comfortable playing that style of play with Nas versus still maybe being a little bit confused as to how to play with Rudy? This episode is brought to you by Land and Lore, the premier men's skincare brand that everyone is talking about. Finally, men are starting to realize that how you look determines how you feel and how you feel determines your mindset for success. If you've never tried a skincare product made for men, you have no idea how amazing you can look and feel. So if you've been one of the guys using a bar of soap, it's time to upgrade. Land and Lore is made with all natural botanicals, nutrients, and essential oils. It's safe, easy to use, feels, and smells amazing. Land and Lore guarantees if your face doesn't both feel better and look better in 14 days, they'll give you a refund, no questions asked. The company is founded by Mark Haysbrook, who started and then sold Hayneedle.com to Mark Laurie. So a bit of a Timberwolves connection here as well. But the primary reason to try Land and Lore is because everyone loves it. There's no risk. And you get a 15% discount by using Dane MBA at checkout. I've personally started using both the shower kit and the face kit, and I love it. I've never really used skincare stuff before, but now that I've used Land and Lore, I'll never not use skincare. I just feel better. So check out landandlore.com today before they sell out. Again, that's Dane NBA, no spaces for 15% off at landandlore.com. That's L-A-N-D-L-O-R-E.com. Today's episode is brought to you by 20 by 20 Solutions, a Minneapolis-based technology consulting company that works with your business to help you build and sustain success. A great front office puts together a winning team with a coach who can put together a winning strategy. When leadership does its job and it all comes together, that means success. Success in business isn't any different. Business leaders need to find the right mix of technology, strategy, and talent to make things really work. And that's never been truer for growing companies. 20 by 20's team has helped grow companies from thousands of customers to tens of millions by helping businesses across a wide range of industries, from consumer technology and healthcare to manufacturing and even human spaceflight. Reach out to Clark and Ben, who are Wolves fans and fans of this show, by emailing them at team at 20by20solutions.com. That's T-E-A-M at 20x20solutions.com. And their team will review your needs and help you put together a plan before you need to make any commitments. 20 by 20 solutions, technology, workflow, architecture, strategy. They're your sixth man on a winning team. Yeah, and I think we got a lot of young players on this team, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's it's guys who played one way for a lot of their NBA careers. Like even if that's J-Mac, who I think was finally figured out, but like Jane McDaniels, Anthony Edwards, like the key pillars of your team, Jalen Noel, like they played one way uh, for a lot of their careers. And it is still going to take more time for them to, figure out okay here's what Rudy does and here's how I need to play with Rudy out there and there's like if you're Anthony Edwards and you played one way and it's been pretty successful you probably are going to like subconsciously push back on it right mm -hmm. and kind of revert to what you've always done so I think that that's part of it like you're when when you think less when you're out there with Nas because you go back to what you do it doesn't mean that you can't play with Rudy Gobert and that you won't do it successfully and like I said I think that's why this is that could be a major positive of this time is like and having to figure out exactly how do i excel with rudy like rudy and i are the main two pieces out there for certain little stretches like what do i do to make sure that works um because it's important for this team to have that combination but like i'm interested though if they're gonna target that right like if, if you're finch do you target that or do you target ant with nas like do you try and put ant out there with all 15 16 minutes nas plays because we know that's been awesome like that would be the more win now 
type approach and the trying to pair him up with Rudy would be more of like win like learn so you can win longer term. I'm I'm curious to see what that looks like. Yeah, that's a good point. Um it's just always interesting because it's like, yeah, Ant's good with Nas, but Dilo's really good with Nas too. Yeah, so right. like <laughs> it, it's not like it's not like you're purposely like it's not like you're setting yourself up for failure doing the other. Um uh, but I I just think maybe it will be more like you know, Ant's going to play a ton with Rudy, and yeah, D'Lo will be on the court too, but they can kind of work that combination even when D'Lo's on the court. Like, uh-huh. you don't just want it to be D'Lo Rudy out there um, when Ant's on the floor as well. So, like, I think they don't even have to do that two-man, and you'll see a lot of that progression, I right. think. Um, and then maybe Finch will be like, oh, okay, uh, that's coming along, you know, 10 games from now. Let's target some minutes like that mm-hmm. if he's more comfortable having, after having seen it. So, I definitely think, like, it's not just that it's five out and these guys' skill sets only fit for five out. I think that's true right now for certain guys like Ant. But it's important for Ant to develop as a player who can, you know, go with different guys, go with another super extremely talented player like Rudy Gobert and figure out how to make that work and play a different style. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're an Ant, you have to be able to play with multiple players um, and, and succeed in all different kind of scenarios. I, like... I don't want to swoon too much over what the numbers are with Nas and Ant because <clears throat> we've watched this close enough to know that a lot of what is has driven like the Ant and Nas minutes to be crazy good is like a couple like yeah. a couple of games against a couple they, massive runs. Yep. Against like an OKC or whatever. Um so I don't want to get too caught up in that, but I do think if it were me, I would lean into matching the Ant and Nas minutes more than I would being try and be intentional about the Gobert ones. And, and part of that is is the numbers. I mean, the when Nas is on the floor at the five and Rudy and Cat have been off this year, net rating of plus 15.4. When Rudy's on at the five without Cat, minus 7.8. I mean, it has been obviously, obviously more effective, even if the sample is a little bit smaller. But if you then go to the Ant and Nas numbers, I put that in the, the outline to you too. When Ant and Nas are both on with Rudy and Cat off, it's plus 22 Point two, so again, we understand the context of the numbers, but I also just applying the eye test. Like those kind of line up to me. It it looks right now as Ant is trying to learn a million different things. I think he plays basketball with Nas of like I don't really need to think as much right now. Like this is more natural to me. Uh, there's there's not as much in the way at the rim. I don't got to think about throwing a lob pass to Rudy that I don't really know how to do yet. Like all that stuff. I think if it were me, I would try and do the stagger so it was Ant and Nas. I think that makes a ton of sense because like I said, like he's going to get enough Rudy time anyway with Cat out. Right. Cat out. Like him, just the starting lineup when that is out there, like Ant's going to play 15, 20 minutes with Rudy. Mm-hmm. Like that's just the way it's going to be. Um, Even if you're staggering them up. So they can kind of work out things then and you can get Ant with the Nas minutes where he's free flowing and you probably get more of those Ant bursts. Um, Look, this isn't like this isn't a secret. Ant is better with smaller lineups. He's yeah. better with spread floors. Like that is a fact um mm-hmm. and he has even said that and people like kind of you know took jabs at that idea when he stated the obvious at the start of the year like that's just the truth uh the goal i think is that he can be just as dominant even when that's not the case i mean when they're better suited to be good defensively as well given their personnel and he can be the same player offensively but he's not there yet so this i think pairing him with the nas minutes would continue to kind of be a nice mix of like yep you're learning how to do that and we will also really put out a lineup where you get to be you for a segment of the game as well do you think that rudy can do anything to play more like that when he's out there 
I don't know. You know, he like he like made a joke of how he could be a pick and yeah, pop. I don't. I, um, we're we're kind of running. I, that's like a two minute clip, so I'm gonna skip it. But let let's sure. uh, let's explain it. Like I, it was me asking. I was like, when you're on the bench, like what have you learned from your teammates and how they're playing? And is there anything like you can mirror there? And he was kind of like, no, they they play really different. And the joke he made was, I can start picking and popping if you guys want. And he was laughing about that. But it, in all seriousness, I took what I took away from that is Rudy is like. I kind of am going to do what I'm going to do. I can't play like Nas. I made the joke about it, but I actually can't do that stuff. So there does, what I heard from Rudy in that is we need to play one way on both sides mm -hmm. of the ball when I'm out there. And if they need to play a different way when I'm off, like by all means, go do it. And it's great that they're having success with it. But I don't think that there's going to be anything that really happens where they lean into or they try and start using Rudy in any way, like out on the perimeter more as as a ball mover, or anything like that. Obviously, he's not going to shoot, but I think Rudy's just like, no, I, I I can't play like that. He's basically said the same thing defensively too. Like I like what we did in Utah. That's what I am best at. I need to be around the rim. That's where my skills are utilized. Um, and and he also said like, hey, look, even when I was in Utah, they played a totally different way when I wasn't on the court. That's cool. That that needs to happen because basically he said like there aren't many guys like me um so we play to my skill sets when i'm on the floor you play to make it work best when i'm not um so he like he said like it really has kind of put off the vibe of, and you know what he's 30 he's a three-time all-star it makes sense like yeah. i'm gonna do me uh <laughs> we should do what helps me do me when i'm out there and then when i'm off do whatever right. uh whatever else but this is kind of what we need to do when i'm out there it's not like a malleable approach but it's probably realistic mm -hmm. frankly like that is just what's going to work and he probably knows that and i don't think he's wrong so it's it's not like you can be like come on rudy be open-minded like probably knows look dude that wouldn't work um <laughs> and i think we've seen enough of him try to do other things where i agree with right. that you know what is interesting though about the utah thing and, and and he said that in the answer too is we we played differently at the beginning of the his time there when i was when he was off you know they played smaller lineups honestly kind of similar to what the wolves are doing now but what the jazz moved to at the end of rudy's tenure was playing the same way the whole right. time they did bring in hassan whiteside last year which is like if there's a better poor poor man's rudy gobert out there than hassan whiteside i haven't seen him but if you even go back like two years before remember they drafted like azabuki out of kansas like they were looking for backup rudy's like the same version of them because I think what Utah got to was after a while of like, this is our identity. Like if Rudy's going to be on our team, we have to play this way and we're not going to toggle back and forth. We're going to look for poor man's versions of Rudy to be our backup five. So we play the same way for all 48 minutes. And I think that's interesting as right now we're at this point with the wolves where we're like the, the move, the, the word all year has been like, we got to toggle. We're going to do different things with Cat on versus Rudy on. And even now with Rudy versus Nas and how these type of play, it's worth noting that Utah eventually said, uh-uh, we're going to go just with a traditional five style big and, 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 you know, different roster, different coach, all that sort of stuff. But as Rudy was talking about that, that crossed my mind. And that's an interesting, it's an interesting Thing that that Utah did in in his tenure there, they don't have a Hassan Whiteside on this team. They have, unless you want to hop in here, we can start talking about what they do have, which is Luca Garza and Nate Knight. You want to get in on that first? 
Yeah, sure. I guess just one thing, like, and it is interesting that they made that switch because it's not like they didn't win before. They did win toggling. So, like, I don't want to make any excuse for the Timberwolves of, like, it's hard to I should have said that. Uh, Yeah. You know, like, uh, maybe the Wolves will have to do this. Like, they won the other way as well. They did eventually, I think, maybe think, here's maybe what we have to do because they were constantly trying to find ways to be like that championship team, right? Right. Maybe that was their next idea was we need to be consistent in what we're doing. Um, And that obviously wasn't the answer as well. Uh, So who knows? Uh, But I just wanted to point out that even when they were toggling, they won a lot of games. And so that the Wolves can win games and win a lot toggling if their guys can figure it out. And, And they have a roster that makes more sense to toggle with than like, because Ant is different, you know, and it's just, it's a, it's a different roster than Utah is. I, I think I too much of the time go like, got to do exactly what Utah did. What I'm saying is I would lean more that direction, but we do right. need to understand uh, the, the differences of the two. But talking about the bigs, we, you and I got the chance to ask Finch uh, yesterday at practice at, at Tuesday's practice, just about how Luca Garza and Nate Knight do don't fit into this picture here. I think for a lot of the the fans in that Oklahoma City game, as the Wolves really struggled to, you know, defend the rim and Rudy gets, you know, taken out of the game. They're like, well, what's the point of Nate Knight and Luca Garza being on this roster if they're not going to play even in this situation? So we, we asked Finch about this. Well, I'll play that first and then we can talk about it, Chase. Um, if and when Rudy or Nas fall trouble or something, how do uh, Nate Knight and Luca Garza fit? Yeah. You know, it's one thing I was mad at myself after the game the other day is that I, you know, sh- I, I actually should have gone bigger with those guys and see if we could have maybe punished those switches. I just, normally, we don't really chase lineups, but we got caught chasing lineups because they're playing so much spread lineups. But yeah, I would, I would, uh, if I go back and do it again, I probably would have played bigger. We see Luca with these just massive dealing numbers. Yeah. What, what do you take out of that? What of that? kind of can come up to this level too. Yeah, I think, well, he's G League MVP with that level of like, performance. Um, at this level, I think uh, what he, what we really like about him is um, he can make an offense function. He's a quick decision maker. He can score in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, he's, he fit naturally into the system. Uh, I think he can punish switches. Uh, I think there is some translation. I think uh, this system fits him really well. It's good to see him doing well. How is his, like, reforming his body, Luca? Yeah. The summer helped him uh, in terms of what he can do defensively. Well, it's been... um, I mean, I like him, actually. He's really good when he's up and pick and roll. You know, he's moving actively, yeah. And, I mean, a lot of guys who who may not have great athleticism quickness like to be up because they feel like they can dictate a little bit rather than just always being down the floor. So I think anything that feeds into allowing him to be able to move and be a little bit quicker on his feet. Is that one where like, you see somebody do things like that down there? You're like intrigued to, to get it up here? Yeah, see, absolutely. Like, like, I mean, I, you know, I said I should have played him the other night. That was a mistake by, by me. So. so one that's just interesting, right, Jace, that Finch even acknowledged. He said it was a mistake. They should have gone to that. I think a lot of Wolves Twitter pounding the table for for Luca, uh, you know, get some support from from Finch there. I I do think that some of the context of why Finch didn't go to that, and I understand the temptation, is because OKC was so small, right? So you did feel like you could get away with you know Kyle Anderson at the five at at times, but I think we're gonna get some Luca 
and or Nate Knight at some point over this this stretch. I I think Garza would be the one who would go in before Nate did. Or are you? I just don't even really know what position Nate Knight plays. I guess that's what I'm very confused about right now. I'm with you. Um, it seems more like a four, uh, but I know he's played five in the past. But it's not in too many consequential situations, frankly. Um. You know, when Nas Reed is talking about Nate Knight and he's, you know, giving him his flowers, but he also said, like, he's smaller, uh, <laughs> but he plays with force. It's like when Nas is saying you're smaller, um, you are small uh, for the center position because Nas is already small for the center position. So I really think he's more of a four. Uh, Garza's just a much more natural fit, I think, at the five. And, and like, I agree with what Finch says as far as, like, punishing switches and not and whatnot that's something Nas does really well um and it fits in and it makes the offense kind of go because then teams can't switch on you or you can make them pay easily and it's easy offense so yeah I think it'd have to be Garza I mean I'd be really surprised if it was Nate Knight even though Nate Knight is the regular on the roster Mm -hmm. yeah and I think maybe this is just worth like explaining what Finch means by punishing switches and I and I think there'll be more of these switch opportunities when they are playing more pick and roll it's just it's just if you're Luca Garza and a lot of these teams are going to switch that action, then immediately you go sprint down to the the front of the rim when you got like a six foot four guy on you. And yeah, I think we all know Luca Garza, right? Like if there's one thing we know about Luca Garza is if he gets like a six five guy on his back within eight feet of the rim, that's probably going to be a bucket without a double team like seventy five percent of the time. And and that's something that I think as if you leaned more into a spread pick and roll offense and you had that space, you do need to punish some of those switches. And that's what Rudy can't do, right? Like even in a pick and roll op- offense more, Rudy's going to get some of those post up things because he's going to yank a switch down there with him. It's not he Rudy can't finish that anywhere near the level that Luca can, which, again, is, is not to compare Luca Garza and Rudy Gobert as overall players. There's a ton of things that Rudy can do that Luca can't whatsoever but that makes sense to me and I don't think with Nate Knight I I can't I can't point to if he plays this is one thing that I think will for sure be better that's one thing that I think will for sure be better with Luca is being able to punish the switches and that specific play type plus I think Luca might be clearly the best shooter of the bunch like I think Nas is a pretty solid shooter but I'll take Luca shooting spot up threes over him. I'll take Luca taking spot up threes over Nate Knight. I mean, if it were me, what Luca can give you offensively that I think is as bankable as anything you've seen in the G League can be, um, I'm a believer that that could help. And I think you're at a decimated enough place on your roster that that you go to that um, from time to time. I, I would just definitely do Garza overnight if it were me. Decimated enough just sounds like so many guys are out. <laughs> And it's really not. I mean, it feels like that, but it's really not right That's now. That's true. <laughs> but I'm with you. I, I'm just intrigued. I just want to see Luca Garza like yeah. in this lineup because he did look good in this offense, and that was the preseason garbage time. We know that. Um, he's looked good in this offense in Iowa. Um, and I do think that they have kind of the personnel that could allow Luca Garza to flourish offensively. To defensively, I don't know. Um, I don't know what it would look like. Uh, but I like that about. up and coverage idea, right? It's yeah, the exactly. That's that- where the team is at its best, anyway. Frankly, mm-hmm. uh, when True. when the big is up and coverage, so it, a lot of it makes sense to where, yeah, it's like in case of emergency, basically like something would have to happen to Rudy or Nas, uh, mm-hmm. probably. I don't think Luca Garza would. 
I don't think they'd head into a night with Nas and Rudy both available where they'd say, mm-hmm. okay, and 10 minutes for Luca. Uh, but it's very likely that, you know, Rudy or Nas, somebody's going to get in foul trouble where they need to at least be spotted mm-hmm. uh, minutes so we could see if Garza in three or four minutes could kind of assert himself. It'd be interesting. And, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I, Nate Knight, I just kind of view as like an energy guy right now, you know, who could come in and, and maybe change the, the tempo or the course of the game just with what he's going to try to bring True. in terms of effort and whatnot with a couple mm-hmm. plays in a few minutes to kind of light the flame. Um, Luca, I think, just kind of fits in well with the things that they are good at right now. Um, I agree with that. And like you said, there's a reason why he's played G League minutes and whatnot. Like, we're not saying, like, this is a guy who's got to play. He's a great player. Uh, but it, it just but, was an open question, right? It was an right. open question for the last week of, like, wait, it, you know, if, he, if those guys can't play in that game against the Thunder, I think that was a normal response to the fan base of like, well, what are they doing then right. on, on, on the team? And the context was that it was the Thunder, a smaller team, and they kind of got thrown into something in the middle of the game that Finch admitted unexpected. to. Yeah, we in an unexpected time, we didn't handle that rotationally perfect. So the, the broader point is those guys aren't dead, right? right. And, and that's what it seemed like after, after the Thunder game. And I would say, like, for the Thunder game, when you look at that opponent specifically, I understand going small and just thinking, like, I don't want to put out a Garza, and all of a sudden he looks, like, totally out of his element against their small ball lineup, yep. and he's just getting toasted, and we get smoked for the six minutes he's on the court, and that's why we lose. Like, as a coach, I'm thinking, I'll go with the guys who have been playing, who knew they were going to play, totally. and I just think we can line up against OKC and win, and that didn't happen. Oh, I would have gone with time. Anderson. I, I would I would have yeah. done what 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 Finch did. Obviously, with hindsight, you're like, okay, well, he gave up a million points in the. But like, sure. I think we were even talking about that on Media Row. I'm like, well, all right, Rudy's out, but like, this isn't a team you need to worry about really having. To, that was my initial my reaction Same. in the moment. Yeah. So I don't want to condemn what they did when I actually in the moment agreed with it, even if it proved to be maybe um, a little costly. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But let's let's move on to Ant. Um, this has kind of been a topic we've been, you know, talking about here for, for the past week. This this idea of that Ant needs to step up as a leader. You know, there's obviously more of a leadership role available. We, we talked about that. And then what I think is interesting is like, We've seen him do a lot more of what we can see and attribute to being leadership stuff. Like I said this to Chris on, on Monday. I've never seen Ant be as talkative on the floor specifically about um, where where guys can be and, and, and all that stuff. I just think like 
I, I put this in the notes to you. Like, I, I think this is the time where Ant can do, has an opportunity to do something special. He has more bandwidth. Um, I, I really do think Ant can play really well in a time when the team doesn't have Carl and, and really make a push to be an all-star. I, that would not surprise me at all if we come out of this non-cat stretch and Ant has been special uh, in, in a way that isn't just the numbers because the numbers have kind of been there all year. Maybe they're more efficient because they're playing a style that fits him uh, a little bit better. But I, I think we could come out of this if Ant is also doing that as a leader and they're winning. Like, I think Ant could end up being in the all-star conversation after this, this sort of whatever this cat stretch is going to be. Yeah, I think he could play really, really well. He has for two games here. Now you can say like some of the on-ball defense wasn't perfect, certainly against OKC, but he was still impactful defensively uh, just with kind of the playmaking on that end at the steals and whatnot. Uh, the biggest thing that I think stood out to me specifically yesterday, because um, he's talked about needing consistency and he's the most important part of the team's consistency. If he brings it, everybody else is already bringing it, he said. Um, that's not necessarily true, but that's taking ownership. Uh I just like somebody taking ownership. Like we always talk about whose team is this? And it's a stupid question. <laughs> a lot of people will say, and I don't disagree. Um, but if you feel like it is on you to take ownership and accountability for everything that's happening, what's done by you and what's not, um, I think you tend to do more and you tend to lock in more. And so if it's not about like the thing of whose team it is matters at two times. Like it matters in the off season when the front office is determining who they need to try to maximize most, who they most need to build around and account yeah. for. Like, are we doing this to help cat? Are we doing this to help ant? Whatever the case may be. And then it matters like in the season, do you feel like you should take ownership and, and it is on you to do a lot of things and you're the one who's bringing more to the table because you feel like that is your job. Um, regardless of whose team it is, like, are you taking ownership? And I feel like ant is maybe starting to take ownership. And the thing I loved most, Yesterday at Tuesday's practice was when he said he doesn't feel young anymore because yeah. uh, the next time that he screws up or something and talks about I'm still young, I'm definitely yeah. going to say, well, you said you don't feel young anymore. Like, mm -hmm. like to me, when you say that, when you say like, I'm in my third year now, I know I'm, you know, I know I came in when I was 18, but I'm in my third year. I don't feel young anymore. Like that should be it now. I don't really want to hear the young excuse specifically out of you. Now, other people can say like, yeah, he's still learning things. If he's in the Western conference finals and he's getting double teamed and struggling, like, sure. You know, that's something he needs to adjust to with inexperience. But like in general, like the second night of a back-to-back -back or something, I'm young. Like, I think we can kind of be done with that. If he makes a statement, like I don't feel young anymore. Um, and that's the approach that this team should want him to take. Like you are in your third NBA season. It doesn't really matter what your age is. Your experience said this is your third year. And, it is time to do these things like be consistent, uh, take ownership. Like it's time for that. And he, he seems to be recognizing it on and off the floor. My like, if, and when I've criticized anything about ant over the course of the three years, which I've definitely done, <clears throat> I think every single one of those things was about a, a big part of it was about not having fully developed a basketball IQ. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of that is, is just was the defensive stuff, right? As the rookie year, not understanding spatially where to be, how to navigate playing off ball versus on ball. Like that was frustrating to watch, but understandable that an 18, 19 year old who hadn't really played, you know, competitive, much high level basketball didn't understand that sort of stuff. I even think some of the effort stuff is that has where Ant has come and gone over the course of months or weeks or whatever. Um, is also basketball IQ is not understanding that 
having the basketball IQ to understand how and where that effort is impactful. What I'm seeing from Ant now, and what, again, what he talked about yesterday that you're alluding to, is he said, I, I have the ability now to pick up on things that they're showing me on film and applying it to the floor. He said, I didn't know how to do that as, as a rookie. That, to me, I'm not saying some massive basketball IQ growth, but that signals some growth there. I think Ant, Ant is also a little bit more tuned into this idea of like, even if it in his head, he's like, well, you know, I, I don't need to give full blast effort all the time to still be effective. I think he's heard it enough from the people in the locker room, the coaching staff around him to be like, you got to give that. And I think he has the awareness now that it's been, I know it's only been two games without cap, but I haven't seen those lapses really from Ant, you know? And, and if I'm being honest, I, I don't really anticipate seeing not are all 20. I mean, there's going to be one or two of those Ant like probably doesn't show up games um, over the course of this no cat stretch. And, and we're going to call like, those out. I'm yeah. going to be honest, like in the middle of those, we're going to call those out and you can say, wow, this is his first game in mm -hmm. 10. It's like, yeah, but he's supposed to be like the best player on the team. True. And anytime that happens, that's going to get called out. I know some people get frustrated about that and say, why do you always hate on Ant? It's mm -hmm. like, because he's held to a certain standard because he's got a certain level of potential. Um, yeah. And because he was the number one overall pick and I get it. Cat was that too. I get Dilo was a number two overall pick, but if you don't see the difference um, in, in like ceilings for these players and what they can do for their franchise and themselves, like you're not paying enough attention. And so when that's the case, then yeah, you do have to hold them to different standards and just like be realistic because like, that's what the coaches are doing. Um, and like anytime where we said it wasn't good off the ball and, Somebody says, well, he scored 30. It's like, well, then watch Chris Finch's press conference after the game and see which one he pointed out. Yeah. Um, you know, like if you, these last couple games, it's like, this is what it can do. And it's what he should do. And it's what he should aspire to do. And it's what other people should hold him up Dude, to. And it's what he's got to do to be an all-star this year. It's right. like, don't check all those boxes. You're not going to the all-star game. And I think I know that that's something that's very important for Ant individually. And I think that my broader point is, I think this like, there's a greater like awareness he has right now of just the moment, right? What and matters? What matters? Exactly. Too, like and he didn't know that. I don't, I just, I really don't think he got all of that. And I think that's frustrating for fans to hear whenever it's anything that's like, all right, you, you've said this is like all the time when I tweet out like an ant quote where ant is saying what he has to do. There's 15 comments in there of like, I'm sick of hearing you say what you need to do. You got to go do it on the floor. And I'm like, well, just letting you know, everyone, this was a quote from Anthony Edwards. Like, you don't right. need to get mad at me for tweeting it out. But like that's that's always sort of been the thing with Ant. And I think like what people have to like understand and with Ant or my my opinion, my understanding of Ant is he didn't understand how to do all of this stuff. And it doesn't excuse it. Like effort is not an excuse. You're your number one overall pick. It's inexcusable to not play hard. But he didn't get that. I, I like I really don't think he got that. And I am seeing a demeanor shift in him. I think a lot of whatever was going on with his weight and fitness and stuff like that in the first month of the season, I think we're through that stuff. Like, he's healthy. None of that knee crap from last year. Like, this is go time, right? You want to be the 21-year-old player who's on the ascend, making the year three leap. Like, this is the opportunity. We're going to start talking about all-star teams here in about a month. And what often drives that narrative is, like, what has the, what have been those guys been doing the last 15 games, you know? And those, these are going to be the 15 games for Ant that whatever he does or does not do right now will shape the discourse around whether or not he's taking a step forward or something closer uh, to a leap. I, I am 
if I had to bet on one of the two, I, I do think the opportunity is here. I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. Like, I really think Ant might make a push here to be an all-star. Yeah, and you know what the biggest thing of that's going to be? Like, it's going to be the numbers of consistent effort. But that's because those are going to drive winning. Um, like, he has to do those things for the Wolves to win. He has to bring the consistent effort on a nightly basis, particularly without Cat. There aren't going to be any of those. Well, we didn't play that well, but Cat did score 34, yeah. so we beat a bad team because we outscored him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, he's going to have to do all of these things consistently for them to win. And if they win games, if they win a good portion of games without Cat, that's something national media voters, everybody notices. Um, yep. That doesn't go unnoticed. Like, oh, they went 10 and 5 without Cat because checking out looks like Anthony Edwards is on a tear. Like, okay, I guess he's kind of taken over. Um, and and it's hard to not put him in that seat then of like that all star kind of light. You know, this, I couldn't agree with you more that it's his time. And, but it's and the all winning. Dude. It, you're right. It's the winning. Like, Remember when, when Finch was asked yesterday about like Nas and Noel being on expiring contracts and, you know, trying to not only, you know, play right now for this team, but play in a way that's going to get them paid um, in the summer. And Finch was like, you know, welcome to the NBA. Right. And, right. and and he was like, I'm in full support of all these guys making as much money as they can. But what he pointed to, and obviously the coach is going to say this, but he's like, oftentimes what dictates that stuff is, did you do it on a winning team? And I just know because obviously Nas has been like a little fascination of mine for for years. And I've and other times earlier on in his career, when Nas has flashed, I've asked people like around the league, I'm like, hey, what is like what is your perception of this Nas Reed guy who's, you know, he's playing now that Carl's hurt and whatever, like a couple years ago, and he's doing X, Y, and Z. And and always the answer was doesn't mean much of anything to me because he's doing it on a terrible team. For Ant. To be an all-star and putting up those sort of numbers, if he's doing it on a winning team, it's going to go farther. Jalen, Nas, whatever. If you're able to do this stuff in the context of a winning team, there go your earnings. There go your accolades. Up, up, up. You know, like that's uh, that's why this is such an opportunity for this for this whole team. And I think I'm getting the sense that there's an awareness of the moment, not just with Ant, but with the whole group. Do I know they're going to deliver on that? No, I probably wouldn't even bet on it because this team's funky. But I, I do think they have a sense of that moment there. And, it, and it's really something it's why I'm kind of looking forward to watching the team play without cat. Um, Cause I think we'll learn a lot about everyone, everyone else on this team. Any other final thoughts on that? No, I just liked your funky thought because it's so true. Like the second we think we're going to know something oh, yeah. with this group, we're going to find out that it, the opposite is going to be true <laughs> for a while. You know, totally. like it's, it's like, uh, like even if you think you're starting to get a feel, even after this Indiana game, you think you're starting to get a feel, like then it's going to go in another direction. At least that's that's what the first, you know, 23 games or whatever has suggested. And the identity of the team is volatility. Yes, you know, it is. Yep. That that's what we're we're beating around the bush when we're like, what was the identity? What is the identity? Yeah, I that's think when, that when, will be the identity. Asked, that is was asked before, like about what's this team's identity going to be. I think we were all like, we didn't know what. The team's identity was before. Yeah, exactly. Now, I, I didn't. now we don't know. And maybe, though, because of the simplicity, this group will at least be able to ident- establish an identity. Mm-hmm. And that won't mean Jack Squat for when Cat comes back, probably. <laughs> uh, but if, if they can establish an identity post-Cat here for a little bit, mm-hmm. um, that will probably help with the consistency, frankly. All right, Jace, let's, uh, let's wrap up this episode with uh, we do our prize picks uh, for the Thursday night football slate on every one of these Wednesday shows we do together. I took the lead. By going one and one last week, I'm 11 and 11 on our picks on the season. 0 for 2 for you last week, so you're 10 and 12 on the season. 
I think I'm looking at what they were. You, we both missed the digs one by like six yards or something last yeah. week. Uh, Allen didn't work for you. Me betting on Ramondre Stevenson not to score that did work. Um, we're not we're not showering ourselves in in glory with these picks this season, but we got a couple more weeks. Uh, what do you got on that? With uh, Raiders and Rams on on Thursday, really great slate of options to pick from. That's hard because like <laughs> it, there's no Rams quarterback lines or anything because like they don't know who's like Baker Mayfield is now on the Rams. I highly <laughs> doubt he's playing Thursday. Um, it's probably gonna be John Wolford, but like I don't. There's not a John Wolford line no, there. No, no problem. Um, <laughs> and so like I don't know. Um, I'm just gonna take what I think is the obvious one. Like I bet against Stefan Diggs last week. It was dumb. I'm gonna bet on Devontae Adams this week. I know, like, yeah, hey, you know, like the Rams secondary can like shut down top receivers sometimes. Uh, but, but I mean, even, the, I, I thought that one. The number's really high. It's 89 and a half. But yeah, I looked at but, that too. DK went off against them last week. Yeah, exactly. Right. I don't think the Rams, it's just like, there's a lot of quit there right now. I think yeah. for the most part too, like, and the Raiders are starting to roll. And the biggest thing is like, they are just force feeding Devonte Adams with great success. Last five games, 146, 126, 141, 74, 177. Like, he is crushing 89 and a half. So I'm just so going to go ahead and play the odds that he's going to go over 89 and a half again. More than 89 and a half yards for Devonte Adams receiving. I am just, I'll just do both my picks right here. My my picks are just saying this game is going to suck. It's going to be a terrible game. Like we've seen a lot of these national TV Monday night, Thursday night football games be. I'm going to say Van Jefferson is the, the, the highest receiver for the Rams at 37 and a half receiving yards. I'm going to say he goes less than. I'm not going to touch Devontae because he, he's good, but I'm going to stay away from it. And I'm going to say Matt Collins does less than 45 and a half receiving yards. I think this game is going to just be bad and limited offense all around, probably with the main guys getting fed um, in Devontae and Jacobs. And then I don't know, I assume the Rams are going to run it a ton with with Cam Akers. But yeah, I'm I'm shorting the the passing game in this in this one outside of Devontae. Yeah, well, you took my other one. I also am shorting Van Jefferson. Um, okay. Fewer than 37 and a half yards. He's just not like, not like this like dominant receiver in any stretch. I just, I feel like he's just another guy on the field. Um, and so like his chance of going more than 37 and a half is the same as anybody else's in the Rams offense. Totally. They definitely just want to run the ball. Like, I don't, I don't see Van Jefferson getting what? a lot of action. It's like one play for Van exactly. Jefferson. Could be a lot. Uh, but John yeah. Walford's not going down the field much either. So I don't. And, and they got I'm that Tutu Atwell guy, right, too, who's yeah, kind of he's like... he's just been a, getting more, like, yeah. uh, kind of gimmick plays, like, design-type work. Right. So that's a couple of their passes anyway, like, mm-hmm. yes. But again, not even entirely sure who's going to be throwing in the ball. So <laughs> a, tough, a tough slate to pick Bryce Biggs for Thursday night, but... Have we know it's it. not going to be anybody good. We know it's not going to be anybody good, so I feel I, I feel confident about a less than for Van Jefferson. Uh, that, this is Prize Picks. Uh, Jason and I talk about it every Wednesday for the Thursday games. Kyle and I talk about it every Friday. We make picks for the Sunday slate of games. Uh, it's prizepicks.com or the Prize Picks app. They do have a $100 sign-up bonus if you put in the the promo code DANE when you sign up and, and create an account. I see a lot of you are still signing up for this. This has been this has been fun to do. Maybe some of you are signing up uh, to make some NBA picks night to night as you, uh, as you get more into the rest of the NBA as the NBA season starts to hits its rhythm here. I do always want to remind you that this isn't a, a sports book. So you can play in Minnesota. It's it's daily fantasy. 
Um, you do need to string uh, a couple picks together. It's not just a straight one bet type of thing. But uh, but yeah, try out prize picks. I think it's it's fun. I I really enjoy talking about it with with Jason Kyle, and it's it's just it's always fun to have a little, particularly when a game is going to be trash, like like the Raiders Rams. Like it's fun to it's fun to have something on the side, or if you're just watching a random NBA game, be like, oh, okay, let's uh, Chris Middleton. You know, let's cheer for him. And uh, so try out prize picks again. Prizepicks.com prize picks app promo code Dane for a $100 sign up bonus. Uh, final thoughts, Jace, what do, what do we think this we got after having one game in seven days? Uh, it's going to be, what is it? We got Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Monday, Pacers, Jazz, Blazers, Blazers. I asked Chris about this on Monday. Like, what are you anticipating? Two and two? I think two and two is fair. Um, for a team kind of, I think they'll win tonight. Um, uh, it's when you have a lot of prep and whatnot, I, I generally think that helps you out. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they win tonight and then they could go three and one. They could go two and one in the next three games, but I bet Utah's charged up again, um, for that Utah game. That'll probably be a tough one to win, frankly. Um, Saturday will be very... tough. Saturday will be tough in Portland. Exactly. Too. And that's a back to back, you know, mm. like, so that's the hard part of that one. And Portland's playing still relatively well. So two and two, I think would be fair. Uh, That'd probably be my guess. Like as far as if I was putting the other betting odds for what they would do, right. um, two and two would be my runaway favorite. Chris was saying he's like, you know, if it's if it's ten game or twenty games without Carl, it's a success if they're ten and ten. Do you agree with that? Five hundred. No. Nope. I think you're putting yourself in a pretty big hole that you're kind of sticking yourself in the plan, and I don't think that should have to be the goal. Like given the personnel you have with like Carl raises your ceiling, but I don't think like not having Carl like drops your floor very much. Um, so I think they should be winning regular season games and a lot of matchups still. Yeah, no, I, I'm with that. The, the, what I said is I'm fine. If it's 500 over the stretch, if we're seeing like palpable things that are shaping what the identity is and how you're going to play. And you can go, all right, when Carl gets back, we'll be able to add these things and and it makes more if it's if it's a 500 stretch where it looks like growth is starting to happen and it looks like it's having a momentum towards being something more for the second half of the year i'm five i'm fine with 500 but yeah on balance i still think talent wise it's a roster that is better than a 500 team if this was just you know purely hypothetical but if carl would have just had to miss the whole season Entering the season, if I had them at 49 wins, taking Carl out, I still would have picked this team to be over 500 entering the season. I think that should be, I, I do think that the expectation that should be the the bare minimum. But again, I'm just looking towards what is the identity of this team? Can you guys figure this out or figure out half of it? Just figure out the non-Carl part of it um, over this stretch. Well, I'm I'm interested to see. We'll uh, we'll get uh, like you said. I think tonight's game against Indiana will be telling. I'll see you over at Target Center here in a few hours. Jace, appreciate you doing it. Um, he's Jace Frederick. Can uh, he's written a couple articles that are up at the Pioneer Press um, this this week. Just go there. Follow Jace on Twitter at Jace Frederick. I'm Dane Moore at Dane Moore NBA. I will be back to talk to you after the Pacers game on Thursday morning slash afternoon with Britt Robson, and we'll keep rolling along again. Till then, he's Jay Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah.